Stop getting distracted by my beautiful books on the shelf. <laughs> I love books. Yep. Well, there's kinds of all colors over there. It's a big bookshelf. I like the gray ones the best. All right, you ready to go? Go. Uh, welcome down to welcome down. <laughs> I mean. Okay. <laughs> what am I even talking about? I think you need to start over. Pause. Breathe. Remember what you're doing. Welcome to the. <laughs> this is gonna be a good day. Welcome to the North Star Community Podcast. I am Scott. I'm one of the hosts and pastors at North Star Community. I am joined today, as always, by Teresa. And you are? I co-pastor with you at North Star Community. Probably everybody who would listen to this would already know that. I don't know how many guest listeners we get, but uh, yeah, that is who we are. Yeah. We are pastors of recovery ministry, as you all are probably. Should we just give the history of North Star? Why don't and talk you talk about? No, yeah. I'm kidding. That would just bore just the people. Do the who history are, who all already, over again. I already would, know the history. That would take up a bunch of time. Oh man, we don't need to take up a bunch of time. We can just do, do what our we thing. do. Yeah. Well, I, in point of fact, all kidding aside, really interested in you using all your time to unpack this message. Which I personally think came out of a very challenging verse in the Bible that talks to me about being joyful in hardship. Are we jumping straight to the middle? Well, I just want to say that I I found I want to use the whole time because I want to unpack that verse because I think it's a very difficult verse for people who have legitimate struggles. So we talked about, as we tend to do, we talked about a really triggering verse. Mm-hmm. And if you want to hear more about that, you're going to have to stay tuned. Don't hit that skip 15 seconds ahead button No, that the podcast app no. gives you. Because I'm not going to tell you how far into the future it is. It's right. between now and, and the like end. the 35-minute mark when we end this. All right. Cool. But we started, and um, actually I, I know you're kind of emceeing since I'm the one who delivered this message, but... Um, we started, um, well, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I'm getting my messages confused. I was going to ask a question about something you said in response to my message, but I think we're going to have to hold that for the next podcast. Okay. Because uh, I think it was something that you said this week rather than two weeks ago. Okay. But what we started with, I think, when we did this message was, was this question of what kinds of things... Uh, We've been, we've been. I guess I need to back up even further. We've been talking about doing hard things, right? I mean, yep. this is, um, and you did several messages. We can do hard things. Unpacking that from both some theories I have about why some of us don't seem to be able to do hard things, and others seem to learn how to do hard things over the course of time, and all in between. Yep. And I think maybe the podcast that preceded this one was specifically that one of what gets in the way of our ability to do hard things. And right. we, had a, we had a list that we were working off of. And um, 
so then we're kind of transitioning now and in, in trying to answer this question okay we've talked about the we did you did a message on the importance of, of doing hard things and some of, and you outlined some of the benefits and you outlined some of the things that get in our way and now we're having this conversation how do we become people who do hard things and i think i even started by asking the crowd that question what are some of the things that you have done in your life that have increased your ability to do hard things yeah and um maybe you can remember some of the answers better than me one of the ones that stood out just because i'm always happy when people recognize the importance of this but um community support is one of the ones that um came up uh maybe in multiple ways and in several uh in in both conversations and and through several different people um, echoing the idea that um, it's it's really hard to do stuff on your own. I mean, it's it's hard to be a person who can step up to the plate and do the difficult things that are that life demands of you, right? Um, without support, yeah. And yeah, um, you need it. We say this all the time, but I mean, we live in a world that says that you shouldn't need support. You know that we're that we're all self-contained, self-sustaining entities were such individuals who need to rely on nothing other than ourselves uh, but it makes me very proud that the people in our community realize that that's not true and it doesn't really work that way and if you think it does work that way you you are prone to develop some unhealthy coping skills in life perhaps yeah some and self-medicating some, and maybe even some learned helplessness Say more about that. Well, because it it doesn't say I can do hard things. It says we can do hard things. Mm-hmm. And I think if you keep on this relentless pursuit of doing hard things without any kind of support, um, I can see how eventually you could you come want, to believe that you really can't do hard things. Yeah, you just give up. Uh, you're going to give up because it's just not going to work. You can't do it. And uh, so... Yeah, I think there are people that eventually just begin to believe that life is too hard and they find ways to check out of trying. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we even talked about that the last time we podcasted. Um, the one that I threw into the mix for, for discussion, and it ended up being two messages, and then somebody even requested that we do a whole series of it, blog posts and and other things I didn't really, um, it was yet another time where I was not sure whether or not the message was going to be something useful. And, um, it, it seemed to strike a nerve for whatever reason, for what, you know, however these things happen, but, um, acceptance of circumstances, you know, I mean, I, I have grown up my whole life with recovery principles because of the fact that, that, you and dad and and the team of people who um, started and have sustained North Star, because I got to grow up in that environment, um, I've grown up with a lot of the recovery catchphrases and and cliches and and I mean that in a good way in the in the conventional wisdom, and the Serenity Prayer right. has always been really important to me. The concept of powerlessness has always been important to me. And acceptance has always been really important to me. And um, so I wanted to throw that into the mix, you know, that acceptance of life circumstances 
is a really crucial ingredient to being a person who can do hard things. And specifically, I wanted to say a couple of things about it that don't often get said in faith communities, which is um, life is pretty chaotic feeling, I think, for a lot of people, right? Yeah. Can I just also say that um, this is probably why we're a very small community, because we keep saying things that don't get said very often. Yeah. Um, You know, um, our marketing skills are or zero to none. I, I quoted you last night in the class on boundaries that we're teaching. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> and I could, I could feel everybody looking at me like, "What the heck?" What was the quote? Um, the quote you used that says, "We all, uh, we all think that we deserve better than we get." <laughs> and that was followed by, "Life sucks," you know, kind of. Um, but exactly. life is really hard and chaotic, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, we have some... I didn't say life sucks. I know, but uh, uh, we have some lovely guests in this class who have never been with us before, and uh, a couple of them stayed after and explained to me that they felt like they had fallen down some giant hole because clearly their faith tradition says every day with Jesus is better than the day before. And that you do, and that you do actually deserve better, and you can get it if you have enough faith, or yeah, you know. And so they said that they were in a major existential crisis. Oh God! (laughs) I says, "Well, I didn't mean to create that. This is what my son says. I don't even believe it. I do believe that every day with Jesus is better than the day before." Oh, you just tried to bail. Yeah, not (laughs) really. I'm totally grab the buckets. Let's get the water out of the boat. Yeah, I just, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we say it often enough. Life is hard. It is chaotic. It's ups and downs. It's ins and outs. And um, I think all of us would have less anxiety if we were given access to that truth earlier in life. Yeah, so here's, I mean, here's why I think we have this problem is that so many faith communities... Um, so often people are drawn to faith because it seems like it provides order to randomness, right? Like right. life seems uh, chaotic or random, or maybe even not chaotic or random, but so difficult to understand, right? Right? Like it's so hard to understand. I mean, this is this is such a simple question, but it's one that everybody wrestles with. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right. Or why do good things happen to bad people? That's a question I always like to ask. That one bothers me more. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, And when faith is all about providing you a sense of order, then you have missed, you have to, you, you functionally have to either throw out or, or intentionally misunderstand a lot of the New Testament. Yeah. Because there's a lot of talk about suffering, there's a lot of talk about trials, there's talk about persecution and unfairness. All of this in the name of God, who is, God is in the process of subverting the way things work now, and because he hasn't finished flipping it around yet, he hasn't finished healing creation, let's say, then we have all of this mess. And... What that means is, until he's done, there's still going to be a mess. But where a lot of people take it is, 
your life is a mess unless you have God. Right. And that isn't the promise of the Bible. Right. So that's why it's so important to me to say, to be very honest about saying, life's going to throw a lot at us, a lot of really difficult stuff. And in order for us to be people who can continually meet those challenges, we're going to have to learn how to accept circumstances. And that isn't a simple thing. I mean, that was that was really my my main part of that intro is that this doesn't have to be something that we just do. It can be a process of mourning, mourning what we hoped would be, mourning, mourning the way we thought our lives would go and, and they didn't, um, grieving, you know, all of these things. I- acceptance of, of, the diffi- of difficult life challenges can be a lengthy process and that's okay, but it's something we need to engage in order to be people who have the fortitude to deal with uh, future challenges. Well, I think we got people pretty stirred up with this concept of acceptance, even though we are a recovery community. We focus on recovery a lot. There were subtle ways that our community, in response to what you were saying, in point of fact, were were exhibiting our own all-encompassing, me included, you included, natural resistance to acceptance because it feels like, it's not true, but it feels like when we talk about acceptance that we're saying we're going to give up mm-hmm. rather than saying, no, acceptance is like this is the current situation. This is what is happening right now. And the other thing about that is that often we're trying to understand what is chaos. We're we're trying to take a very difficult situation and make sense of it as if there is a, a one aha moment where we could understand the decisions we make. If there's that, there's always a causal effect, and if we can just get more understanding, then we'll stop. We'll 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 get things in order and get our act together. That ultimately we can be in control if we figure out why the mistakes are happening or why why bad things are happening. Then we will be able to prevent it from happening again. Yes, and and then add to that. This notion that um, the brain... Which is narcissism. Yes, which is narcissism. Add to that the brain's desire for understanding and creating order to the extent that if you identify a pattern, even if it's not really a pattern, but you think it's a pattern, your brain gives you a shot of dopamine. It doesn't care whether you're smart or right or good or that if it's a real pattern. It's just glad you're trying to find patterns. Um, and my my favorite way of thinking about the brain right now is the brain just wants to spend as much time as it can sitting on the porch smoking cigars. And if it can identify patterns, then it can go into auto mode and it doesn't have to think. And... Um, so I don't know how I got on this subject except yeah, to say that I don't either. You just love re- you just love you got to talk about about neural pathways. I love neural pathways. They're they're my jam. But it is this idea 
that acceptance is not is is often the acknowledgement that there are no patterns. There is never going to be a satisfying answer, or at least that. ones that we can control. Yeah, I mean, there. It's not like there are never any patterns, but we have tried to make too many things make sense. That, that just it's never going to make sense. Anyway, that's my little rant in the middle of your podcast. Well, it's I our, bet you can't even remember what you were going to tell us. Well, fortunately, I've got my notes in front of us. Oh, good. But, uh, okay, yeah, jump back onto the a, next it's bullet a, point. It's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I, I think, think I added rich texture to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's better when it's free flowing. I, I would, I would, uh, I would guess that people enjoy our tangents more than our prepared thoughts. But I have. Put that in a comment or something. Find a place to comment and let us know what, what you like listening to. I don't even know where they would comment. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Send me an email. Do whatever. Uh, anyway, so um, to finish, to complete my thought from before, is that we accept circumstances. That's a process. Life is difficult. Uh, it's always going to be difficult. I mean, we're going to have better and worse times, but there are, but we're never going to find a way to, to stop having challenges. And then, because it's always going to be difficult and there's going to be those challenges, it's going to be difficult for us to remember that God loves us and that his disposition towards us is one of love. Yeah. And this is where things started to go off the rails. You know... I love a good I love a good weekend when things go off the rails and I'm just sitting there listening. <laughs> they went super off the rails. You weren't there. I know. So you, you I was having my own the, personal crisis with no a, sewage functioning sewer line in our house. Yep. You were in full on uh, you were having a a poopy day. <laughs> um, <laughs> or not as the case may be. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me more about this going off the rails experience. That you so, had. right. So, like, if we're only looking at our lives in terms of our own circumstances and the challenges that we have, it it becomes difficult at some point to believe that God loves us, right? Right. And when that becomes a challenge, then interpreting passages of the Bible becomes more of a challenge than it needs to be. Does that make sense? Or at least like they become triggering in ways that they perhaps shouldn't be if we could hear kind of the heart of what they're saying rather than getting lost in the words. Like that's kind of one of my things that I try to do is I try to help people see the heart of a passage rather than just getting distracted by the words used in the passage. The words that often are very triggery. Right. Well, I mean, like, you know, even the word, just saying the word sin is, is going to trigger like a huge percentage of the population now, right? So you right. have to be able to say, okay, now, beyond the fact that the word sin makes you feel anxious and makes you feel like you're not loved, right. what's being said here? Right. Right? Right. So we had this... I do love the way you do that. <laughs> well, so we had this, so we have this passage from James 1, which is, you know, a, a very, um, can potentially be very triggery. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. So that's, that's the first verse. I'm going to finish reading it, but I mean, like, that is the 
piece that gets people most triggered whenever you face trials of any kind? Because here's what the conversation quickly turns into. God is sending trials to me, and I should be happy about it. Right. Now, it doesn't say... Actually, I'm just going to pause here and do this right now. It doesn't say that God sent the trials. It did not say that it God is, had anything to do with the trials. And, t- and if you look in commentaries, um, you can get different opinions, but mostly people say that this is kind of a general type of trial, the general kind of difficulty and trouble that life might send your way that we've spent this whole podcast up to this point talking about, right? right? That life is always going to be difficult. So there's an assumption here that life is just going to be difficult. And already, if you're triggered and you're not hearing the heart of it, you're thinking, why would God do this to me? But that's not even that's not even what's on the table. Right. It's just observing something that's true about life generally. That life has trials. Yes. And then it says, consider it nothing but joy. And we'll, we'll unpack that in a second. It goes on to say, actually, I'm just going to start from the beginning and read the whole thing. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So this is the... So we have this confusing thing of, like, consider it nothing but joy because you know that trials are going to ultimately lead to endurance, and endurance is going to lead to maturity. So on the one hand, you know... At, at first blush, you know, we're already seeing that it's not talking about joy as happiness. Right. It's talking about joy is the experience of anticipating something to come that's going to make you a more complete human. Right. Now, to take that a step further. Well, could you repeat that again? I'm thinking about um, that. Yeah. So, so. On one level, and this is like the perhaps the simplest level, joy is not about being happy that you've had a trial, right? It's not about being a fanatic right? where you love to be tortured right. because you think it, it makes you more spiritual. It's about anticipating a future outcome where you're a more complete human. Right. Trials are going to test me. Testing is going to lead to endurance. Endurance is going to lead to maturity, and maturity is going to lead to wholeness. And so, on the one hand, um, it's important to know how the New Testament uses the word joy, right? It's not using it as happiness. It's using it as anticipation of something to come that we know God is doing that is good. And that's not the same thing. Let me mm -hmm. just finish this one sentence. That's not the same thing as being like, I accidentally cut my hand off in a saw, thank God. Right. That's not what it's, it's not saying that. Right. And it is using the word consider. So it is, in a way, saying bringing up your thinking, you know, give some consideration to this. It's a conscious effort. It is a conscious effort, which I do remember some of the, the, Uh, comments about um, on Sunday in response to your question, because I was there on Sunday. And um, several people said, either to you or after the message, a couple of people came up to me and said, I didn't want to say this out loud, but 
I learned how to do hard things by living through an experience that I didn't think I could survive. Yeah. So that goes to that. That is considering it all joy. Yeah. But it was hard for you to even get to that sentence because people got pretty riled up by the statement, right? Yeah, because people start thinking, people get confused and think that it's instantaneous. Yeah. You know, that that something difficult happens and that you have to be happy about it. Right. Right away. Now, if you're if you're digging in, that you see that joy is about anticipating something, and it's about making a conscious effort to anticipate it, <laughs> right? So right. we're already implying that not only does it not happen instantaneously, but it is going to be a process, right? And that happiness really has nothing to do with it, right? And so, I mean, here's I mean, one of the interesting dynamics I think that comes out. Of, of that is is that joy is not about being a religious fanatic. It's about recognizing that God is working to dissolve all the things that put us under duress, and he's not done doing it yet. Right. But joy is recognizing that he is going to be done at At some some point. point. Right? Right. And so in the meantime, we have this situation where things are not as they should be. And joy is not being happy about the fact that things are not as they should be. Joy is the hope that things are not what they will be. Yeah. And that's very different than being happy about being in pain. Right. Considering trials occasions for joy is not about being happy. I just want to emphasize this. It's not about being happy about being in pain. It's about having the hope that things are not as they will be when God is done working. And we don't talk about that enough, the idea that God is working and that it's taking time. I think we have some illusions that, well, if God wanted things to be perfect, he should have done it. He should have done it already. You know, it should, he should be done. He, should, he could snap his fingers and it would all be done. But we have no evidence that that particularly is how he wants to do this. Right. And or that, and maybe it's not even possible for him to do it that way. We assume that, but based on what? Right. And so instead, I think it's very useful for us to acknowledge reality. Life is difficult. Trials are going to come our way. That's another thing that. And don't mistake cause and effect just because your brain wants to have a pattern. Right. right. Just because you have a trial doesn't mean that God caused it or that He's punishing you necessarily. And. He's working to put an end to that because he loves us, Yeah. right? That's the piece is it's like when we have these things, we think he must not love us if this is happening, when in reality, he's working very hard, I assume, to put an end to the things that cause us pain, and he's not done yet. And that's very different from saying, if he loved me, I wouldn't feel pain. Right. He loves you. So he's trying to put an end to pain, and he's just not done yet. Yeah. 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 That's a good, That I mean, that preaches as far as I'm concerned, and it, it adds some um, context to that passage that certainly, in my opinion, takes the sting out of it. It is definitely not saying, it's it, and it's helping Christians not act weird. 
<laughs> Can I unpack that? Yes, please do. I mean, I know, like, what, I know what you mean, but yes, go on. Like, if you have to be happy about everything, like, oh, thank God this, I lost my hand to the saw, otherwise I wouldn't have known how to appreciate my other hand. People who, people listen to that and think that's weird and inauthentic because... Because it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, can I tell you a story? So, you know, uh, last weekend, uh, we had to completely replace the sewage line going all under our house and all the way out to the street. Mm -hmm. And we got a big yard. And uh, Dad really cares about how the the grass looks. And he just fulfilled his lifelong dream. Your your husband, when you say Dad, for anybody who who doesn't know the relationship, I'm talking— Teresa's, Teresa's my mother, and her husband's my father. So when Pete she McBean, says dad, some people, stop that. Some people don't know. I'm just okay. trying to be useful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, continue. So Pete McBean really uh, achieved a lifelong dream. The man has big dreams. He put in um, an in-ground sprinkler system just a few months ago so that every blade of grass could be properly watered and green. He one of his greatest joys. I didn't even know that he'd done that. That's, yeah, that one is, of his uh, greatest joys is standing with his phone in our front window and randomly turning on different parts of the sprinkler system because <laughs> he has an app. Because it makes for him it. feel godlike. I think so. I will water you. I will water you. I, I mean, won't water you. He makes me come watch. <laughs> it's just a thing. And now someone was telling him that we're gonna not only have to dig a six-foot-deep trench in your yard and lay completely new pipe. But uh, we'll do our best, but we're probably also going to ruin your sprinkler system. It was not a happy day at the McBean household. No. And it was super expensive. All that aside, the, the thing that was fascinating to me was watching the people in our neighborhood. Got a lot of walkers in our neighborhood. Great place to walk. When they would walk by, I could literally see them shudder at our misfortune (laughs) and turn their heads as if it was catching. And at one point, one of our neighbors, I was out getting the mail, one of our neighbors said, what did you do to deserve this? And um, that's particularly funny because it's definitely annoying and frustrating to have to spend all the money and to have your yard torn up but in the grand scheme of misfortune it was not really that bad and you guys really had one day of craziness well and we live in a 60 year old house did we think everything was magically never going to need to be replaced right it's it's not even it doesn't even reach the level of trial in my opinion Mm -hmm. this is like not a trial um, this is just normal decay of things, especially things that were not put in quite right. Yep. So to my mind, we were lucky that we're living in a house for 30 years and we didn't have to replace it until now. Right. Because at this point, we'll be dead by the time it needs to be replaced again. So, hey, consider it all joy. Thanks for that thought. Yeah. But the thing of it is, is um, 
if we're not thoughtful people and really consider what a true trial is and have the uh, wisdom to understand joy in its appropriate context in this place, uh, we are making life way more difficult than it already is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have been more than a little amused by people either shuddering or coming up and knocking on our door and asking us how much we had to pay to have it fixed. <laughs> complete strangers. Totally separate issue about how which, about people being uh, rude about... Which, by the way... Your father refuses to answer. Oh, he should. He should refuse to answer. I double the price when I answer. <laughs> Cost seventy thousand dollars. And watch uh, them squirm. But anyway, that's all about personality, not the point of this message. But the thing of it is, is that this is why I love the Word of God. It is so rich with wisdom like this, and. It irritates me when it gets misused and it and when we don't take the time to unpack what it means. So I really appreciated you unpacking the verse. Yeah, and and um I mean just to close, um one example that, that I'll share just because um I thought it was a silly thing, but a bunch of people told me that it was really useful. So I'm gonna share an example in a second, but to kind of reiterate my my biggest concern is that, you know, the way that people traditionally use that verse, be happy about your pain, is to suggest that God doesn't love us, I think. I mean, just to to have pain and then be told that you're happy about it. I mean, that is the, that's the narcissistic God who says, you should thank me when I hurt you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting. I would have never thought of that. You know what? I would have thought it was saying to be happy about your pain. I would take it from the perspective of uh, uh, kind of some somebody who has been wounded by narcissism, right? I wouldn't even think about what it might imply about God. It was more like the shame that comes from you should have no feelings, yeah, which is the same. I mean, the implication is different the same. side of the same if, coin. If God would say such a thing as that, right? Then what does that say about Him? Yeah, and it's not what it's saying. I mean, it it it's saying quite the opposite. That this is bad, and because it's bad, uh, I mean, this the I'm the language that I'm using here is how I want us to hear it. It's right. like if you have a a difficult life circumstance. You say, this is bad, and because it's bad, I know this is the kind of thing that God is working to remove from his creation. Right. And that is what joy is, is that right. thought right there. Right. And maybe, because it's anticipating yeah. a different future. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily feeling different about the present or feeling different about the future. It's just the act of anticipating a different kind of future. Yeah. And that that is what the verse is saying. And and because in, in when it's reframed that way, there's plenty of room to see and experience that God still loves us. Right. And I mean the silly little example I gave is like, you know, I just took this 
um, assessment course, and so we have to talk about um, we have to talk about testing and trials and statistics. And one of the things that comes up is sample sizes. And this came up actually again um, when Brittany and I took Nora to the doctors, and we were talking about some new studies and. You know, I always ask questions about sample sizes with, with trial studies because a lot of times new studies tend to be smaller sample studies that are to be expanded upon later. Right. And so the reason that I ask those questions is because, as a for instance, let's say somebody claims to have a miracle cure for cancer. Okay. And they do a sample study with two people, and both of the people are cured of cancer. And they say, we've got this miracle cure. 100% of the people who've taken the cure are, are, are healed. Now, somebody takes that and does the same study with a million people, and only two people are cured. Now, what does that tell you about the first study? Right. It tells you that it was too small to give us an accurate indication of what this supposed miracle drug can do. Right. Right? And I think that it's the same thing when it comes to us interpreting or considering God's place in our lives or God's disposition towards us. If we only consider, if I only consider me, or if I only consider you and me, then I'm considering such a small sample size, and it prevents me from having the thought that God is working to get rid of pain because he loves us. Instead, I'm left thinking, I have pain, you have pain. Therefore, God must not love us. It's not the sample size is too small. The perspective is too small. It's not wide enough to get to the heart of what God is trying to teach us. Yeah, I do. I do like thinking about that. Um, it helps put things in perspective. Things are not as they should be but things are also not as they will be. I like that line, too. And if we can remember that and equate that with joy, we'll be much better off. Agreed. All right, you're, you're clearly done. I am. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it's about lunchtime over here at North Star Community, <laughs> which means uh, we're going to wrap this up and you're starting to hear music. That music is royalty free. It's courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, uh, who can be found on the web at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. You can find us on the web at northstarcommunity.com. Um, you can also check out the website of our campaign, leadthewayrva.org. We're trying to get local businesses involved in battling substance use, and there's a variety of ways you can get involved in that campaign to help support us and to support the work of recovery in our community. So check that out, or feel free to get in touch. Uh, we really appreciate you listening, and we will be back again soon. Bye-bye.